to Frankly Speaking Sports. I'm your host, Larry Frank, and I'm so very, very, very happy to have you with us this evening. Um, I want to let you all know that we have several platforms that we are on. Right now, if you are watching me, you are probably watching me on Facebook Live, but we have other ways as well. We also have YouTube channel, Frankly Speaking Sports, and of course, you can listen tomorrow if you do not get the chance to listen or watch this great, great episode we have planned for you tonight. Hey, please go ahead and listen on Spotify or Anchor FM or Break or Google. All these different platforms we have for your listening pleasure. And I want to tell you, we have a great, great, great show in store for you tonight. What I'd like to ask you all to do as I do on Every show and the beginning of every show, I like to let you know what's going on. Can you please go ahead and share this on your timeline? Share this with your friends. The more guests we get, the more interaction we get, obviously, the better the show is. So I want to thank you all for joining us tonight. Uh, like I said, we have a very, very special show for you today. We got a lot of topics to go over. And I know it seems like we say that every day, but things are happening in the world of sports. And, you know, we're going to have a very special guest on in a little bit, um, probably about 15 minutes, Nick De La Torre. He is a beat writer for Gator Country. Gator Country been around since 1996, covering the Florida Gators. So we're going to talk some Florida Gators sports a little bit later. He's about 10 to 15 minutes away. We'll be talking to him. Also, I want to remind you, if you have not seen our poll question yet today, um, it's related to Florida Gators. You have one pick, just one pick. Nobody is currently in the Gator Athletic Hall of Fame. Let's just assume that. You have one pick. Who is the first person you pick based on their college career? Not anything professional, college career. Is it Emmett Smith, Tim Tebow, Pete Alonzo, or Bradley Beal? Those are the four. You got a couple football players there, baseball player, basketball player. So please, please participate and make sure you vote for our poll question, which we will go over a little bit later in the show. Also, please interact. If you're here, you're watching the show, the only way I know who's watching is by you leaving a comment. We will try to answer all your questions, all your questions that you may have. So please feel free to go ahead and leave comments in the comment section. Um, it's been a busy day. It just came down about an hour or two ago Robert Manfred came out with a statement, and finally, some decent news out of Major League Baseball that he said 100% positively there is going to be a baseball season this year. No questions asked. The commissioner says, I guarantee it. Not that he hasn't guaranteed some things before, if you know what I mean, but he has guaranteed stuff, and he said there will be a baseball season. So I think within the next few days, probably by Friday, we are going to get the plan that the Major League Baseball is going to put in place, 
and there will be baseball. We'll find out when the start of the season is. Now, for those of you that don't know about the negotiations going on between the players and the owners, the commissioner has the right to step in at any time he chooses and put his foot down and says, we'll play in baseball, uh, and this is how many games we are playing. The plan right now, if it goes through as of Friday, will be an 89-game season. So there is more to come on that. I don't want to speculate anymore because, you know, like I said yesterday, unfortunately lately, baseball has had a way of disappointing the fans. And I don't want to do the same thing till it's concrete. But it is concrete, and I repeat, it is concrete that Robert Manfred did say there will definitely, 100%, he said, be a baseball season this year, 2020. So we look forward to hearing that. If you're just joining us, I see numbers as I go here. Please invite your friends, share on your timeline, leave me a message that you hear. I love to see who's on, say hello to you, leave me a question. You know, obviously off theme, look at this, baby. I got my gator head on. I got my gator shirt on. I, I'm fired up for this show tonight. I just can't wait for the next 10 minutes when Nick De La Torre comes on to talk some gator sports. And we'll be talking um, also about a lot of things going on. I want to welcome my good buddies from Crew Life. Um, you know, they're hosting our show tonight, actually, and they're watching the show and allowing us to use their platform tonight. So I want to thank Rob Thompson, Brian, all the guys over there at Crew Life. And let me explain something to you. Um, why we got a second here. If you want to hear a great, great show, I believe it's Sunday night. Uh, coach Marvin Bell, the great, great coach out of Tampa, um, does an unbelievable show on Crew Life. And you can go ahead and actually, I'm sure Rob, if I ask him, will leave a link on my Frankly Speaking Sports website where you guys can go ahead and tune in. I tune in on Sunday nights. Just a great, great show. And I want to put kudos out to Coach Bell for always doing a great job on that show. Now, for those of you that did not know because it hasn't really been publicized with all the crap I should say going on in Major League Baseball with the bickering and everything. The Major League Baseball draft did happen today, and it's still going on. Now, for you Rays fans out there, and I know we have a lot of Tampa Bay Rays fans, they didn't pick to the 24th pick, so their pick is not in yet. But I'm going to go over the top five picks real quickly for you here for those of you that might be interested. And number one was the Detroit Tigers. Detroit Tigers Pick Spencer Torkinson. Um, he's the third baseman at Arizona State. That was the number one pick. And number two pick, all you Razorback fans that are on right now. And I know there's plenty of you on there, baby. Stand up. Just go ahead and stand up and cheer. Because they got the right guy at number two. Number two, the Orioles picked Hunter Jurstat out of Arkansas, baby. That's it. We'll pick Suey. They did get their pick. And let me tell you something about this guy. Listen to these career statistics for the Arkansas outfielder. 343 batting average, 30, 37 out, uh, home runs, 129 RBIs in 150 games. One more time. 343 average, 37 homers, 129 
RBIs. So you figure his career was basically a season in uh, in Major League Baseball and just incredible, incredible numbers. I personally want to thank my uh, congratulate my buddy uh, uh, Heston Jerstat for being picked number two in the draft. Then number three was the Marlins. Max Mayer, the right-handed pitcher out of Minnesota. The Miami Marlins trying to beef up their pitching staff. And then four for the local Kansas City Royals in the Arkansas area. That's who they root for here. Uh, they got a guy named Asa Le Lacey. He's a left-handed pitcher out of Texas A&M. And then number five, give the Blue Jays credit because I thought this guy was going to go in the first couple of picks. Uh, they got the Vanderbilt shortstop. Austin Martin. So I want to go ahead and uh, congratulate those guys for being the top five in the Major League Baseball draft. And if you're not aware of it, this year it's different. It's usually 40 rounds. This year, only five rounds. Five rounds. I don't know what happened to the other 35 rounds. They lost them somewhere. But there's only going to be five rounds. And I want you guys to know that anybody that is available after the fifth round is going to be able to be a free agent, which means that any team can sign them. Now, if you're a Tampa Bay Rays fan, wow, this is good for you because the Rays are known to get these plays in the later rounds. You look at Kevin Kermeyer, great example, 10 years ago, they got him in the late rounds. So this benefits the... Um, Tampa Bay Rays a lot because they're not one of those teams like Al Keck said last night that really uh, goes out and spends a lot of money on these players. And now they only have to pay them a signing bonus of $20,000. So great, great news for the Tampa Bay Rays. Unfortunately, a lot of players um, in the draft are not going to be signing for as much as they did. I want to remind you, we're about three, four minutes away from uh, – Nick De La Torre joining us live. We're going to be talking some college football. I want to remind you there is a poll question here as well. If you have not seen it yet, please participate. Please vote. I, the question today is Gator-related since we're going to be talking about the Gators. You have one pick. I want you to make believe nobody is in the Gator Athletic Hall of Fame right now. You only can pick one of these four guys, and this is based on their college career. Do you pick Emmett Smith, Tim Tebow, Pete Alonzo, or Bradley Beal? Uh, Emmett Smith, the running back. Tim Tebow, the quarterback. Pete Alonzo, first baseman, baseball player. Bradley Beal is a basketball player. I'm sure all you Gator fans out there, um, I'm sure that are listening Know all these names, and please go ahead and vote. Now, a little bit later, after the conversation we have with Nick DeLatore, we're going to talk about a little NASCAR. Um, today, I don't know if you heard, but the Confederate flag was removed from all events in relation to NASCAR. No more. And we're not going to go into it now because we don't have time, but after the interview with Nick, We'll go ahead and talk about that for us. So you NASCAR fans, hang on there. Stay tuned. We'll talk about that a little bit more. And want to remind you once again, we're about to get Nick on the phone. 
Guys, leave some questions. If you're a Gator fan, take an opportunity here to ask a question in regards to the uh, Florida Gators. And I'll ask Nick, or I'll answer it myself. But go ahead, participate if you like. Um, we really, really want you to be part of this show. That's what this show is all about, your participation. So we want to make sure that you do that. also want to remind you, we'll talk a little bit about this more after the interview, but tomorrow night, are you an NBA fan? Well, guess what? We got a treat for you. No, it's not LeBron James. Okay? It's Dante uh, Maritelli. I always get that name messed up. Marchatelli is going to be joining us. He is um, a host for the Orlando Magic and a sideline reporter for Fox Sports. So we'll be talking about the magic. Tomorrow night, we're going to go over, you know, the format that they plan on using about the 13 teams in from the West Division and the nine teams from the East Division and find out it was why was it split up like that instead of 11-11. All those questions are going to be answered um, tomorrow night when we go ahead and have... Uh, Dante on the phone. Um, we got a couple of seconds left, and I know we're going to have uh, Nick on the phone, so I don't want to get into another topic just yet. But, ladies and gentlemen, you know, I, first of all, off frankly speaking, sports. Well, something went wrong there. I don't think that was Nick. Let's go ahead and find out what happened to my buddy Nick there. He was on the line, but I guess he fell off. So let's see if we can get Nick back on the line here. But um, we're going to talk to Nick right now in a few seconds when he gets on the line here. And, you know, it's my great honor, thrill, and pleasure to introduce to you on the frankly... Well, something's going on with Nick's phone. It doesn't seem to be working right now. So let me make sure I got the right number for him. Sometimes we do have some technical difficulties here. So guys, please bear with me for one minute while I try to make sure we have his number correct here. All right, let's get Nick on the phone here. Oh, call failed twice. Yeah, we see that. Let's see what happened to Nick. Here we go. Something's wrong with his phone over there, so I apologize on that. Nick, do we have you on the line? All right. Well, I guess we don't have Nick on that line. Let me try this one more time here. Something's, I don't know if you're getting a lot of rain in Tampa or not, but we'll find out here. All right, let's see if we can get Nick on the line. Nick, are you there? All right, so Nick's phone's now working, so we go to plan B, and I always have a great plan B here, so let's go ahead and do this. There he is. So right now, ladies and gentlemen, it is my great honor, thrill, pleasure 
to introduce to you a gentleman. When you're talking about Gator football, baseball, basketball, this is the guy you want to talk to. I mean, we are so lucky and so happy to have a beat, the beat writer for Gator Country joining us tonight on Frankly Speaking Sports. Please welcome Nick Dilatori. Nick, how you doing tonight, buddy? Yeah, sorry about the difficulty. I'm not sure what that was with the phone. I mean, you're on the same phone, so I'm not sure. But either way, we're happy to have you with us today. Nick, I want to start off uh, right away with you. Uh, tonight, you know, I was just looking at, you know, the couple of picks in the Major League Baseball draft, and I seen that obviously no Gators went in the top ten so far um, tonight. Uh it's a big day for these guys, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, I grew up playing baseball, and I had dreams of uh, growing up in South Florida. Uh, my parents are Gator fans, and, and I mean, I was growing up in South Florida with how good Miami was in the '90s. I had dreams of playing there, dreams of playing uh, professional baseball, but there's not a big market for you know slow five foot ten uh, right fielders uh, who, who don't hit for power. So there wasn't a market for me. But yeah, this is a dream come true. Hopefully they had one signee drafted, number nine overall, Zach Bean. Um, so a guy that, you know, signs the Florida, but one of those where exciting and hopes something crazy happens, he's going to go and make $5 million with the Rockies, so he'll never come to campus. But uh, there's a couple guys we're waiting on. I think Tommy Mace and Jack Lesbridge will get picked, and uh, we'll see how the, the night plays out uh, today and then tomorrow for the, you know, the next five, uh, four rounds. You know, Nick, you'd be real proud of me, buddy. I got... I'm here in Arkansas right now. I just recently moved uh, after 35 years. I had lived in Gainesville before, but mostly the Tampa area. I got my Gator hat on. I got my Gator jersey on. I'm representing us well. I want you to know that in Arkansas right now. There you go. That's, uh, I was there one year. Uh, before we played Arkansas, that was when Burke was there, when Brett Bielema was there, and uh, it was a nice trip. I actually flew into or stayed in Bentville. Yep, and that's where I live in Bentonville, so I know exactly where you're talking about. Now, to, um, just recently, I believe it was Monday, athletes were allowed back on campus uh, for all uh, sports. Um, what is that situation like? You know, I know in Arkansas that they're allowed back. It's voluntary workouts. Um, are the football players back on coming back on campus now? Nick Delatore, he's a 
a beat writer for Gator Country. Nick, why don't you explain to the individuals that are listening that not, might not be aware. Let's say, it, we'll use the Gators as an example since we're talking about Florida here. Um, let's say a player does contract uh, the coronavirus. What are the steps that the football team, I mean, is it done all together? Is football over for the year? Or are there certain steps that they take? I mean, that's a big question. So right now, um, when if a player goes to a workout, the way the board is handling it is that player has been given three workout outfits. So you show up in your, you know, your Monday outfit, you're given a, um, you, you're asked, where have you been? Have you been in contact with anyone that's had it? You're, uh, get your temperature taken. If someone even has a high temperature, they're sent home from the workout, not home, but sent to one of the team positions. So if you go through your workout and you get a water bottle and a towel, as soon as the workout's done, you hand that back in. You come back the next day, you bring the clothes you wore for the previous day, you wash, sanitize. The police take it very seriously. Um, I think right now, if someone is test positive, you're trying to track who they've been involved, who they've been uh, with, where have they been, who they've been in contact with, and, and start creating a tree around well, who else could be involved. Now, if you get into a season, I mean, I've, I've been talking to my colleagues here. What happens Florida LSU week or Florida Georgia week? And, and Kyle Trask gets, you know, test positive that week. Because these guys are going to be tested, uh, you know, on a weekly basis. Uh, what happens if he tests positive? And in my mind, well, if Kyle Trask tests positive, his hands are under the center's butt. The center's probably testing positive. If the center tests positive, left guard, right guard, right, uh, right tackle, left tackle, defensive tackle. I think the way that this thing spreads, if you get one positive test, you might be looking at 10, 12, 15 guys. And, and, and then if you're talking in the season, I don't know how you handle that. Does Florida have to go and play LSU without 15 starters, potentially? Or, I mean, because you're going to be in a 14-day quarantine if you test positive. So if the season comes, I think that's what the, the decision makers are trying to think. Like, if we start the season, we don't want to – Six weeks in, say, okay, we can't, we can't do it anymore, and now we're done. That, that, that's worst case scenario. Just start and have to end. So I don't know what the answer is for that because, you know, the way this thing has been spreading, uh, it doesn't seem like, you know, if only one player of 100 guys in a locker room would get it. It would be, you know, quarantined just for that one person. Yeah, I, I can, I, and I agree. That, and I figured you, you know, it, it, I think a lot of us it's going to be a – play by fear game, you know, whatever happens, then decisions are going to be made accordingly. Now, as far as the government goes there in Florida, I know, yes, uh, I think a couple days ago, Texas, and I think even the state of New York is talking about it now, they're talking about letting a certain percent of fans enter stadiums uh, based on what state you're in. What's the latest on Florida with the capacity? Because I thought I heard Florida say the same thing. Yeah, uh, we talked to Scott Strickland, uh, I talked to Scott Strickland last week, and, and he basically said that they planned, uh, they planned to have fans in the stands. And, and, and honestly, if you have asked Scott Strickland a month ago, do you think you'll have fans? He probably said no. And, and that's just kind of the way, the nature, it's almost like, you're waking up every day and thinking, okay, well, where are we today? What does today's new challenges bring, or is it better today? And you're kind of making plans as you go. It's almost reactionary. You're making plans for the future. 
guy who's had season tickets in Section B, row, row 13, for 35 years, hey, we have six home games. You can only buy three home games. And here's the package you can buy. You can pick, you know, these three games or these three games. That's a really tough sell. So I don't know how you're going to handle, you know, I, I don't think we'll be at full capacity. Um, I, I could be wrong. You know, we're, we're sitting here talking on, on June 10th. Right. Uh, it might be totally different in late August, you know, when the season's rolling around. But I think that's a really tough thing for schools to tell, you know, the average fan and, and then tell the big booster, you know, the one that sits up in the box and pays six figures just in a donation before he pays for the box. How do you figure out, well, who gets to pick what games and, and who can come and who can't come? Because, um, I mean, you're going to hurt a lot of feelings. There might be some people that understand that. If I'm showing out six figures in a donation to have the opportunity to buy tickets, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to all six games that we have at home this year. You can't tell me different. Right. Now, we're talking to Nick Dilatori, a Gator Country, a beat writer. Um, you know, and, you know, you talk about the fans and the fans in the stands. And, you know, when you think of the Gators, I mean, I've been to many Gator games. There's nothing like the swamp being packed. Do you think the fan, you know, not being full capacity from a, you know, you, you want to say the players don't hear it. They don't do this. They don't do that. You know, we're not stupid. We all know they hear it. How much does that, you think, affect the players? Um, I think certainly, I mean, when, when Florida played Auburn, that was a huge game last year. Auburn came in with a freshman quarterback who had, Looked good at times. Certainly looked didn't look like a freshman at times. And when Bo Nix came to the swamp, I I really truly and, and not just, you know not being a fan of me, I really truly think that that environment that's the loudest it's been in the eight years or seven years I've covered Florida football. The loudest it's been in, in my time covering it. And um, there's no nothing you can say that can convince me. Hey, that environment didn't affect a, a freshman quarterback on the road to some extent. And it will. And I don't, I don't think, you know, they talked about with, uh, I think, some of the um, German soccer leagues are, like, pumping in crowd noise. I right. don't think that's right. I don't think you should do that. You know, uh, if, you, if you've got 35,000 people in the stands, then as loud as those 35 you get, I think that's fair. I, I don't think it's fair to pump in artificial crowd noise. But I think it's 100% will have an effect. And, and especially, I believe, in momentum. And when you're talking about – 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kids who, you know, hormones raging and they can swing back and forth and feel completely different from lunch to dinner than they do about something. If you get that kind of crowd, I think, you know, it's a huge factor for schools like Auburn or Arkansas or Alabama, Georgia, Florida that get those crazy crowds. It'll be a disadvantage for home games in Florida, for sure. I want to remind you listeners out there, especially you Florida Gator fans, we are on the phone with Dick Dale Torrey, who covers the Florida Gators, please get involved. Ask some questions right here under the comment section on your screen. I'll be more than happy, you know, time permitting, to go ahead and ask Nick any of your questions regarding the Florida Gators. Now, Nick, it was only a couple of years ago. I remember, it. I remember it so well. I was sitting in my car. I'm listening to sports radio, the only sports radio station up there in uh, Gainesville, and they're just, I'm just so depressed talking about the Gators and Coach McElvain at that time. Um, why, 
what has Dan Mullen meant to this organization? I think the biggest thing that Dan Mullen got, so Jim McElwain was, was a great guy. Um, I enjoyed talking with him and, and had a personal relationship with him. He didn't understand the expectation. And when he went to the SC Championship in his first year and he lose to Alabama, I think my story after that game was, hey, Florida wasn't supposed to be here. What you did is you faced the perennial power in the SEC at this time, and that margin of loss, that's the gap you have to make up. And then when they got there again, you know, kind of like limping in through a bad SEC and got back to the SEC championship, he's thinking, well, that's what I'm supposed to do. And the fans weren't happy, and he didn't understand that. I think with Dan Mullen, not only did you get a coach that understands the expectations of the fan base right now, but a coach that was on the staff that was in part, you know, obviously Spurrier started it, but that Urban Meyer staff and, and that run from 06 to, you know, 08, that created a whole new level of expectations. And Dan not only gets it, he helped create it. So when he comes in, and I mean, this is a guy that, you know, the offense would score 35 points, and they say, why do you score 40? And those are the kind of questions he got. So I think that's the biggest thing, is that Dan Mullen not only understood and helped create the expectations, he kind of thrives off of it and loves it. So I think that's the biggest difference between Mullen and McElwain. McElwain was kind of, well, I guess everyone hates us. And Dan goes, no, these are the expectations. And we didn't live up to them. And he'll tell you that. If they, if they didn't live up to expectations, he's going to win. I'll let you know that. So I think that was the biggest difference between McElwain and, and, and Mullen is that just the understanding of what Florida fans expect. Because you can win a game 35 to 20, yeah, now, and you know, he came out yesterday and, you know, I was reading an article. I don't know if it was uh, Gator Country that did it, but um, he said that this team, he expect, he said they will go undefeated this year. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Rivals will 
Dan Mullen knows that. And really, I think the road to the to Atlanta goes through Jacksonville. And, and Florida fans won't be happy. I mean, they could they could find a way to win twelve games this year and lose to Georgia, and Florida fans will be mad. Now. Last year, Felipe Franks got hurt. Now, he's no longer with the team. He's actually here in Arkansas now. Kyle Trask comes in and just has an incredible, incredible year. Um, Threw for 2,900 yards, 25 touchdowns, seven interceptions. And now, going into 2020, they're talking about him as being a possible Heisman candidate. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's a story that if you if, you know, I mean, if you took it to Hollywood and, and presented this entire screenplay to a producer, they tell you to go back where you came from. It's ridiculous. The kid that hasn't started a football game since high school shows up and is thrust into this position in the middle of the season, losing at Kentucky at the time. Uh, you know, go go finish the game, finish the season. Um, I think, you know, you couldn't even sell it in Hollywood. To me, the thing with Kyle Trask is he never, and I give him a lot of credit because me at, at the age of 20, 21, if I'm sitting there for three years, I'm busting my butt um, in practice, I'm getting hit and, and all these things, and three years I don't get a single snap in a game, I'm a meaningful, a meaningful snap, I'm not showing up every day and preparing. And I think what you saw from Kyle Trask last year was just proof that, hey, like, if this kid didn't take every single practice seriously, he wouldn't have had success that he had last year. So my interest in him this year is how do you go from the guy that everyone rallied around because of his injury and you're the only option to, hey, you're going into this year as the starter. Now there's more expected of you. Last year, no one knew what to expect. You kind of set a bar. How do you take your game to the next level? How do you become a better leader? You've never had to be the vocal leader, the guy that everyone looks to in the huddle, the guy that everyone looks to in the locker room. How do you handle that? Are, are you mature enough to continue bettering yourself and working even harder than you have to get better in a, in a new spotlight? Because like you said, talking about Heisman, Dark Horse, the best returning SEC quarterback, this is a guy who most people in the national media wouldn't have known if he would have put his name out there. They would have said that he's a golfer. Um, so it's a huge, completely different stage for Kyle Trask. I'm interested to see how mature he is and how he handles that. He's never had to handle that kind of stage before. Even last year when he was starting, he was, well, what a great story. If, if, if he throws an interception, that's fine. He shouldn't even be here. Now it's time to prove that you belong here. Wow. Yeah, it is an unbelievable story, especially for Gator fans. Now, I believe, is Kyle Pitts coming back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was only a sophomore last year. I know. You know, when I look at Kyle Pitts and – Two years ago, I think he was a he was a freshman, right? Two years ago, he caught three passes, and then last year it seemed like every time you were watching, you know, an offensive play for the Gators, you know, Kyle, um, Kyle Pitts was catching a football. He had fifty four receptions, six hundred forty nine yards, and five touchdowns. I mean, this guy to me, and I could be wrong, you know, I don't judge talent in the NFL, but. He definitely looks like a possible down-the-road first-round draft pick. Yeah, Florida fans, uh, I think, have already come to grips with, like, destroy Kyle Pitts for however long the 2020 season is because Kyle Pitts will not be playing football on Saturdays in 2021, I guess. Right. He's a three-year-and-done kind of guy. That, that Really, that 
around with him. I mean, he led the team in reception, or yards, but he led the team in reception. That really started with Kyle Trask. When Kyle Trask came in, and can you blame him? If you haven't started a game since freshman year of high school, you've been on the field and there's some six, six, 640-pound freak, you're like, yeah, let me just find him on the field and get him the ball. Um, he obviously needs to work on, on becoming a more complete tight end in terms of can you, put, can you trust him, you know, in your goal line package? Is he a guy that you can put three fingers in the ground and tell him to block the defensive end in front of him? He's not there yet, but in terms of an offensive weapon, there's not a, a linebacker that can run with him, and there's not a defensive back that is as big and can be physical with him. So that's the kind of mismatch that you get. And then when you look at Florida, what they lost, I mean, you're losing Van Jefferson, uh, Freddie Swain, Tyree Cleveland, Josh, uh, Josh Hammond, you lose those guys. Okay, well, now we can focus on Kyle Pitts, but you still have other guys that are coming up uh, in Jacob Copeland, in Trayvon Grimes uh, at receiver. So I think it's it, getting to a situation where you're trying to double Kyle Pitts. Like I said before, you're trying to find a matchup of speed and size. Um, you're leaving these other guys open. So I think Florida's in a good spot with Pitts. I think he'll leave Florida in receptions and touchdowns. He's yeah. um, too good of a player, um, too big of a mismatch that Florida and Dan Mullen. Uh, will make him, you know, uh, a primary target and a primary option each and every week in their game plan. How dominant is this defense? I think I think the defense on the outside um, at cornerback. I'm really really excited about Kyrie Elam, who was just a freshman last year. Um, he's the son of Av Elam, who played in the NFL, and nephew of Matt Elam, who was an All American at Florida. He's going to be a, a an all-SEC, maybe an all-American type player down the line. Then you have Marco Wilson on the other side of him returning. I'm worried about Florida up the middle, and I need to see more from T.J. Slayton. I need to see um, I need to see guys at defensive tackle, nose tackle step up. Who's going to fill in for David Reese at middle linebacker? And then safety. You've got a bunch of guys back there at safety that I need to see more from. I mean, um, you lose Jawan Taylor, who's a senior. You get Donovan Steiner back, but there's a bunch of guys in that back end that I need to see more from. Brad Stewart's one of them. Um, Trey Dean's a guy who didn't have a great sophomore year, could be moving back to safety. So I think Florida's defense has the potential to be dominant. You're losing a lot in Jonathan Grenard and Jabari Zuniga, um, but you've got guys that I think can kind of pick up that slack. My favorite one that, that uh, I'm looking for to make a big job for this freshman year, your sophomore year, is Mahmoud Zubade. There's also Brent Cox, a former five-star from Georgia that transferred at the South last year. The Bulls kind of, uh, I mean, Andrew Chatfield, but they've got a bunch of guys that can get after the passer. I'm worried about that inside. If teams that you're facing, you face Georgia, and they want to run the ball between the tackles, do you have those guys on the inside that can stop that? Because you're going to be able to get to the passer. You've got the guys on the back end that can give those pass rushers time. Can you stop the run? Are you physical enough inside? So that's going to be... That was going to be my biggest question to watch in the spring. Uh, you know, we were just days away before spring got canceled. So that's really my biggest question mark for is right up the middle from defensive tackle, nose tackle, middle linebacker, up to safe. Okay, a couple more questions, and then we'll let you run, Nick. Nick, who is – who do you see him that being their toughest opponent or their toughest game this upcoming year? Uh, it, I mean, it's got to be the Georgia game. And when you look at Florida's schedule, it really plays in their favor. Um, last year was a really tough schedule. At LSU, you had to start the season with Miami. Um, this 
here. You're on the road at Tennessee. That might be a tough game. Uh, but you get LSU at home. I, I'm not sure what Ole Miss will be. And then you look at the rest of the schedule, Florida State, new coach, Missouri, new coach, Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt. Um, South Carolina hasn't really given Florida too much trouble. And then, you know, Kentucky, South Alabama, and the, the rest of the other conference. So I, it's that date. It's on Halloween this year, so maybe we'll have a full moon on Halloween. Who knows? It's a bit weird in Jacksonville. But October 31st, uh, it'll be at 3.30. It'll be on CBS. Those are things you just – it's not scheduled yet, but you know, Florida, Georgia, CBS, 3.30, Jacksonville, on Halloween. That's the game to circle. Absolutely. Now, I have to ask you before I let you go. We have a poll question here, okay, that we're asking that's related to the Gators. Now – I want to explain it. You have to only pick one guy. We're going to make believe there's an athletic Hall of Fame, which there is, um, a Gate Athletic Hall of Fame, but right now no one is in it. They have no members. You can only pick one member out of these four, unless you have somebody else, you can let us know. But the four names that we have, and you can only pick one, and it's based on their college career at University of Florida, and it's all sports. You got the, the four names is first person sent into the Hall of Fame. Yep. Okay. You have Emmett Smith, Tim Tebow, Pete Alonzo, or Bradley Beal. Oh, Tebow. Right. Okay. Just want to make sure. You know, and all of them have gone on to have great careers. But that was the poll. Let me ask you. You know, I said it was the last question, but. You followed, uh, you know, I followed, you know, college football since whenever. And I was having this debate, and it was a great debate because a lot of people don't know this. When Tim Tebow started really doing well for the Gators, came in, took over, he was, a lot of people compared him to Doug Flutie because of the effect he had on the school. When it comes to Tim Tebow and Florida, and Doug Flutie for Boston College. Who do you think had a bigger impact on their school? Um, that's tough. Flutie was, I mean, I was alive when Flutie was playing, but it was before my time to follow. Um, and I also grew up, you know, like I'm only a year younger than Tebow, so I was in high school during those years, and in college, even though I didn't go to University of Florida, uh, like, that's like it, it's hard. I'm biased for Tebow. That was like in the heyday of my sports stand up before I got into the industry. So it's hard. It's hard for me to go against Tebow. Uh, <laughs> I will admit some bias there, uh, but hard for me to go against Tebow. All right, my friend. Well, Nick, I want to thank you so so very much for joining us this evening on Frankly Speaking Sports. Yeah, whenever you need me, I got you. Thanks for having me on. All right, I appreciate it, and be safe, sir. You too. That was D Nick Dilatori. He's the beat writer for uh, Gator Country. All right. Sorry to get in the way there. Put our microphone back up. And for those of you that are listening, we talked about some good things there. We talked about the Gators. I want to know what is the best college football game you have ever seen? Okay, we got about another 15 minutes in our show. I want to open it up. We're going to talk a little bit about NASCAR in a minute. But, you know, I'm going to tell you what the greatest game I saw after we go ahead and talk about NASCAR. But 
Go ahead on the comment line. If you're on the comment section, go ahead. What is the best college football game that you ever saw? And I'm going to talk about two of them a little bit later before we leave. But go ahead and leave in under the comment section what it was for you. Um, you know, great, great conversation with Nick. Talked about the Gators. He talked about the upcoming season. Talked about fans in the stands and what might happen. So got a lots and lots and lots of information. As he answered the poll question, I want to go ahead and remind you all, there is a poll question. Please go ahead and answer the poll question. It only takes two seconds to go ahead and answer this question. You have one pick. Who do you pick? to go into the Gator Athletic Hall of Fame first. Emmett Smith, Tim Tebow, Pete Alonzo, or Bradley Beal? And as we look at it real quickly, right now, uh, it's 50-50 between Tim Tebow and Emmett Smith. So, wow, very, very big surprise there. So, you know, I'd love to update you on that. So please go ahead um, and vote on that. It only takes a second. Also, leave some comments. If you have any questions in the remaining 15 minutes while we're here live, I will be happy to answer any questions you have. We open the forum. We encourage you to ask questions. But going back to NASCAR, we touched on it briefly before we talked to Nick. Um, NASCAR has taken down and will no longer have the Confederate flag anywhere, any shape or form on the premises of NASCAR. You will no longer see the Confederate flag. And, you know, at a time where, you know, a lot of things are happening in this world, you know, I honestly believe that NASCAR did the right thing. You know, it was only a couple days ago that Bubba, Bubba Wallace, and Bubba Wallace, if you don't know who Bubba Wallace is, he's the only African-American uh, NASCAR driver on the circuit right now. And he had asked them, you know, if he would remove it. It's not fair for people to be able to come to an event and go ahead and be uncomfortable when they come. And I agree. And let me explain why I agree with Bubba. Not only for the reasons, obvious reasons, but, you know, NASCAR only has one black driver right now. Did you ever wonder why they may have one black driver? It's because you've been offending them for how many years now constantly hanging the Confederate flag. Now, for all of you people that say, well, Larry, it is history. It is this. I, I understand that. I understand it is history. But it is past history. And we're in a time right now where this thing is very, very sensitive. There's a lot of injustice um, in in this world. And, you know, some people will say, well, it's our southern roots. It's this and that, the Confederate flag. Well, nowadays, times are different. And people are offended. People are uncomfortable. And just like other sports talking about, you know, football needing more minorities in the uh, head coaching and, uh, you know, in the executive positions, well, same thing in NASCAR when it comes to drivers. We need more African-American drivers. The reason maybe that they weren't there, and I'm not saying it is, but it's a thought that maybe because the Confederate flag was on every damn thing you did, that, you know, the African-American people were offended. 
And if you want more, you know, more fans and more involvement by the black community in your sport, there are certain things you have to do. And NASCAR got it right this time when they went ahead and they removed it. Now, they just didn't remove it from raceways. Everything. And I believe it, it might be Bubba Wallace that his car, um, I believe either tonight or Sunday, is going to be uh, painted with the Black Lives Matters uh, symbol and everything, a logo. So great, great stuff coming out of NASCAR. You're doing the right thing and keep up the great work. Um, you know, we talked about some great college football games, and I'm seeing if anybody's leaving a message here real quick. But the two that stick out to me, I was at one of them, and they both concerned the Miami Hurricanes. And both games, the Miami Hurricanes lost. And for those of you that are old enough to remember, back in 1988, it was my last year of college, okay? The Miami Hurricanes were traveling to Notre Dame. Um, and when they went to Notre Dame, you know, they called it the Catholics versus the convicts. You know, a big, big hoopla. They were making shirts up. They were getting in trouble. People were, you know, the Miami Hurricanes through the 80s were the bad boys. Everybody noticed them. And I believe this game, if I remember correctly, both teams at the time of this game were undefeated. Both teams were undefeated. And Notre Dame ended up winning that game, I believe it was 31-30. to 30. You know, those were the great Jimmy Johnson days, the Michael Irvin days, the bad boy days. And, you know, Miami went in there uh, and lost a real tough game to Notre Dame. So that was the first loss. And then the second game, by far, I was at this game. And let me tell you the story behind this game. It was Thanksgiving time. I believe the year was 86. Okay, don't quote me on that, but I'm almost positive it was 1986. A lot of you uh, football gurus and college football gurus will know better, but I think it was uh, 86. I had two tickets extra to the Miami Hurricane game. It was the day after Thanksgiving. I'll never forget it. I couldn't find two more people to go to this game. It was me, my buddy Bob and me. We were going to the game, and uh, we decided to take a cab down to the Orange Bowl because that's where the game was played. And the game was being played. It might have been uh, – forget who the quarterback for Miami was. It might have been Bernie Kosar back at that time. But they were playing Doug Flutie and the Boston College Eagles. And I'll never forget it. It was a rainy day, misty day, the wind blowing – you know, the hurricane, the Orange Bowl was rocking. Just an unbelievable game. And it's going down to the wire in about, um, you know, 28 seconds left or something. Uh, Miami scores, takes the lead. I believe it was 45-42 at the time. And my buddy Bob looks over to me, and we're sitting right, like, the two-yard line of what was going to be the winning touchdown end zone. 
And all of a sudden, Bob says, hey, Larry, you want to leave? And I said, Bob, you know, it is raining out here, but I still got half a beer left. So let me go ahead and finish the beer. We'll watch the game, and then we'll get out of here. He goes, all right, Larry, no problem. Well, let me tell you, not only was it the best tasting beer I ever had in my college football career, but it was the best moment. Everybody knows what happens then. Flutie goes back to pass. I believe there's eight seconds now, or however many seconds left on the clock. He starts rolling around. He gets past one guy. He goes back. He throws the ball up, and it goes right into the hands of Gerard Phelan, the receiver. Touchdown. Eagles win. Eagles win. Eagles win. And I want to tell you what. I don't know how many of you have lived in Miami before, but if you ever lived in Miami and went to the Orange Bowl, that place is loud. The place is so loud. I have never, ever, now understand this, I've been to Monday night football games between the Jets and Miami in the Orange Bowl. Just rocking, okay? Just rocking. And that's when the Dolphins actually were a good team. Okay? I have never, ever seen the Orange Bowl that quiet in my entire life. And it will ne- obviously the Orange Bowl ain't there anymore. It's now uh, where the Miami Marlins play is um, the old Orange Bowl. They knocked it down and built where the Miami Marlins play now. But... Just an incredible, incredible, incredible game where Doug Flutie threw that pass. And that's why we asked, you know, you know, Doug Flutie, and we were talking about Doug Flutie, we were talking about Tim Debo. They played at different times. And Flutie went on that year, as everybody knows, to win the Heisman Trophy. And uh, just an incredible, incredible, incredible game. So that's my story. Um, about some great, great college football games. Want to remind you tomorrow night, oh boy, do we got a treat, another treat for you tomorrow night. Another live interview tomorrow night. We're going to be talking a little National Basketball Association tomorrow. The NBA. NBA is starting back up the end of July. The Orlando Magic are part of the team, one of the teams one of the uh, 22 teams go well. Stay for them. They're staying in Orlando. We will be playing in Orlando, and we get the honor and thrill and the pleasure to have tomorrow um, Dante uh, Marchitelli, who covers the Orlando Magic and is also a sideline reporter for Fox Sports. So we will be talking about the Orlando Magic. The NBA, um, you know, what he thinks about, you know, the amount of games. Because, you know, when you hear this format tomorrow night, they are playing a lot of games in a short amount of time. So it's not like these guys are going to come back and get a break. And then the season's not going to end till the end of October. And they plan on the new season starting in December. So, we have a lot of information to go over with Dante uh, tomorrow, and it's going to be a great, great, great show. 
and we look forward to seeing you there. want to also remind you, if for any reason you didn't get to listen to our show, or maybe, maybe a friend forgot about us. I can't see why they wouldn't want to listen to us. So tell them it's okay. You can go to Anchor FM. You can go to Spotify. You can go to Breaker. You can go to Google. But tomorrow they will all be on those platforms, the actual recording of this episode. Also, we have our own YouTube channel. You go to YouTube, you go to Frankly Speaking Sports, and you go to the channel and you can go back past podcasts, past interviews. It's incredible. And not only that, if you want to go to a sports bar, you can watch us there. Go to a sports bar, ask them if they got a smart TV, tell them to go to YouTube, Frankly Speaking Sports, and you can watch a tape of our show. This show will be on immediately following. Um, we're going to download it to YouTube, and you'll be able to watch it at your favorite sports bars with a brewski and some wings. Wow! Incredible! Also. Frankly speaking, sports sports group, invite your friends, encourage them to join. We want to become the biggest and best Facebook group out there. Also, follow us on Twitter, at Larry Frankis. That's with the U.S. at the end. So we want to go ahead and remind you, we got Dante, Dante tomorrow from the Orlando Magic. And then we're supposed to have... We have it plugged in. Friday's incredible. If you follow, ever followed baseball, you will know the name Dave Sims. He is the voice of the Seattle Mariners and has been for the last 14, 15 years. Will be joining us on Friday for a live interview. So some great, 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 great shows coming up. And we're going to continue to try to get the, as many interviews as possible. Real quickly, the final poll, if I can get this, um, on tonight, who was, um, it was 50-50 tonight. Didn't have a lot of people participate, unfortunately, in our poll question, but Emmett Smith and Tim Tebow, which are the two that I expected. I want to thank you all so very, very much for joining us this evening. We also want to Thank our special guest who came on tonight from Gator Country, uh, Nick Delatore. To all my fans, I look forward to seeing you tomorrow night. Everybody have a good night, and we'll see you the next episode of Frankly Speaking Sports. Good night.